0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Hey man, it's great to see you. I woke up this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Tugan. I'm the pastor here. And... Um, I, I... I... I'm of a certain age, okay? Some of you may, Can you turn me down just a wee touch? I feel like I'm booming. Um, I'm of a certain age. And sorry, welcome online, people. There are people. Do you know what? I woke up and, uh, like I said... I'm of a certain age, do you ever remember the Left Behind movies? See, if you were a Christian years ago, what they used to do, who remembers those? Now, see the younger people in here who don't have a clue what I'm talking about? You are so flippin' lucky because what used, what used to happen is they would gather Christians together and what they would do is show these movies called Left Behind, which is what would have happened. It was some representation of the rapture. Isn't that right? If you didn't know Jesus, you'd be left behind and you'd have to dress in a white nightie and get your head cut off. That's all I can remember about it. For those of you who know, <laughs> and there would be like squads of people lining up to get their heads cut off in a white nightie. And, uh, and, and I, so I had this dread of, of being left behind. And, and the last back, today it for me is like Rapture Sunday, isn't it? You look around, you go, have they all got, have we been left behind? Is this where they come in? And, you know, so for, so for all our people who are watching, we've got people watching from abroad on the beach, they were telling me. And uh, we've got people on the, the north coast, Christianville. See, from north of Ballymena now, it's the biggest Bible belt. In the whole of the the world, the Bible Belt now starts from sort of balling money up as uh, all the Christians go up there for the last weekend before, and that's fine, that's okay. You know what? Jesus can even bless them there, but not as much as you're going to get blessed sitting under the Word, all right? Amen? Are you ready for that? Uh, Because I want to talk, we've been talking, for those of you who don't know about our church, it's all about seeing lives transformed by grace. And so if you're here this morning, I want to say you're in the safest place you can be because you're in the presence of Jesus. You're in the presence of the Lord himself. The Holy Spirit is here and he wants to speak to you, to encourage you, to bring you words of life. It says the word testifies about itself, speaks about itself. It says anytime you sit under the word of God, it's life and it's health to you. It's not good. Who needs a wee bit more life and health? For those of you who are not answering, I can probably look at you and go, you definitely do. Right? <laughs> Adam, you need both hands up. Let me see both those hands up. That's it. All right. And so that's what I pray for you this morning. Because I want to talk about something. We've been in the church. I believe our next season as a church is about how God is going to take this message of God's grace and transform the people that you love dearly with it. You know, when we're kids, what we do, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said whenever the disciples first encountered the goodness of God, what they did was they wanted to keep Jesus to themselves. And they went, oh, this is so fantastic. Just stay here and keep blessing us. And Jesus said, no, no, I I came so that lots, the whole world might know my goodness and my grace. And uh, whenever I say grace, what I mean is his unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. You know, there is nothing this morning uh, that you can do that will ever make God love you more. The way he loves you is completely independent of your performance. Do you know that? It's so scandalous for people as to be offensive. Now, that message of like, it says in Romans 3, 24, one of my favorite verses, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. Do you want to know what righteous means? It means no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you did it with, no matter whether you meant it, you didn't mean it or anything in between, whatever has been, whatever is today and whatever is to come, when he looks at you, through the lens of the finished work of Jesus, Jesus on the cross, dying and resurrected, he looks at you and as soon as you accept Jesus, he declares over you righteous. That word, the original word means you're totally acceptable to God. Isn't that just scandalous? Because every one of us this morning will go, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about that? Oh no, I was told, I was brought up and saved in the meeting. And, uh, you know, was told that now that I'm saved, I should know better, right? <laughs> I was told that and I got saved in the church and brought up in the church, and was told now that you're you're a Christian, you should know better. I'm thinking like, you know what? Here's here's a, here's the truth for you. If you were ugly before you got saved, you're probably going to be ugly after you get saved. <laughs> Do you get me? That's the truth of it, isn't it? We we expect this mad transformation straight away with people, and the Lord, the Lord has so much more time and patience with us than we ever have with ourselves or with others so I want to encourage you this morning to relax in the presence of Jesus because he's not angry with you. He's not disappointed with you. He's not upset with you this morning. He loves for you to draw close to receive everything that you need. And it's in that place, according to the book of Romans, that you will change. you get that? And I'm going to talk into that today because one of the things that uh, I, I, I am fascinated with right now, I love. I don't want to give too much social commentary because it's not about that, but it is about today, you know, understanding that... The, the, the world is really struggling, and we are struggling even as the church. I mean, the church generally, to kind of figure out who we are and what we're about. It's, it's this thing of identity, right? This, this thing of labels. You know, do you know what happened to me this week, by the way? We went viral. Woohoo! Oh, flip, well, I was excited. My kids were excited. But here's the... So I, we, we have put this reel up, as we do on Instagram. If you don't follow us, you should do, because it's really good, says the man who's so rubbish at social media. But anyway, we, we put a reel up, and I went viral. 25 thousand views in like 24 hours isn't that crazy that's pretty good according to the kids anyway like that that, daddy you're famous right so here's me walking around the house like you know what kids like (laughs) giving it all that you know you know what kids daddy's an internet sensation and Sophie the youngest one are you daddy yeah you know all those kids you people you watch on youtube there's a new kid in town right And so every couple of hours, Sophie would come to me and she'd go, how many views have you got now, daddy? And I'd go, 19,000 and still climbing. And she'd go, awesome. So fast forward. So here's me labeling myself saying, I'm an internet sensation, YouTube star, you know, and, uh, or whatever, (laughs) just for the crack. Fast forward 24 hours. And Sophie comes to me and goes, how's it going? I went, oh, hasn't moved must be a mistake it must be I, I said to her, it's spinning that fast that the Instagram can't keep up right the grams are just all behind here give it a minute no it's not going up Soph. she went what happened daddy I said I'm no longer an internet sensation I was like a bright I said to her I was like a bright star that's shone. <laughs> and then I said the brightest stars always shine the brightest and crash the biggest isn't that right she just looked at me and went you see, if I, was, if I was labeling myself as an internet sensation, it made me think, it must be really wick for people to have to live their lives like that, isn't it? Ch- chasing the likes, chasing the approval, chasing the fitting in, chasing the whatever. My goodness, 24 hours and I was exhausted, flicking through how many likes I've got now. And so now I've just resolved, this is why I don't do social media. So I want to talk about that because Jesus gives you a new name today and I want to tell you why that matters to you. I'm going to take a quick story from the word. And then I'm gonna read over you and minister to you at the end because if you wanna have a a life which is one to to be marked by an experience uh, of the presence and the power of God, to see the promises in the word of God manifested in you, then what we need to do is we need to understand that when we encounter Jesus and we encounter the finished work of his grace in our lives, it's not a sticking plaster. It's not something that just goes on the outside to modify our behavior. The Lord really wants to work deep on the inside of us so that we live from the inside out, not from the outside and The world lives from the outside in. If things are going well, we're happy. If I have this, then I'm happy. If my kids are, I'm happy. If my wife or partner, or whatever, is good to me. It's like all outside in living. And our lives are determined. The quality of our lives is determined by the fact of what goes on around us. And Jesus wants to come into your life today and show you that you have got a new name. And I'm going to show you why that matters. Because the la- if, I, if I was still working on the label of internet sensation uh, by, by today, on Rapture Sunday, I would be absolutely in trouble. So get the word out. And if you take notes, just take a few wee notes. In this church, we love our Bibles and we love to read the Bible and take from the word. And it says in Proverbs 23 that as a man thinks in his heart, that word in Hebrew is lubab, it means the innermost place. So is he. Now, if you, if you this week have experienced feelings of guilt, of shame, of condemnation. Guilt is, I feel bad for something that I've done. Shame is when I feel bad about who I am. Condemnation means I need to be punished. That's what all of those different words mean. If, if Every time there's a wrongdoing, somebody needs to be punished. I need to pay the price for something that went wrong. And that's why we, you know, we, we just so love Jesus because he came and he said, I will take on me all of your wrongdoing so that you will escape the punishment and walk in the, free, the freeness and the fullness of life that I have. But whenever we still feel those things, what's actually happening is it comes from a core belief that says that somehow, whenever we behave in a way that we're not right, that it alters our position with God. How he feels about us, how he treats us. Now, let me be very clear. We're not antinomianism uh, into antinomianism. That that means lawlessness. Do whatever you want because God loves you anyway. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the more that you love, you know that you're loved, the more that you love. It's actually the way to break the cycle of of, of stuff in your life is to receive more of God's love because as you receive more of God's affirmation and love for you, the more that you will love back. That's how we're built. And so when we have this kind of, I've done something and so now my position is altered, all right? It's, it's what we call a law mentality. I do and therefore God does for me. And what Paul in the, in the book of Romans, particularly at the start, is it pains to say to us all is that we should not give up. It says in Romans 2, 4, don't give up on God's goodness. Uh, you know, don't give up on his forbearance and his long suffering, his patience with us. Because do you not know that it's God's goodness that will lead you to change? It was It's God's goodness that changes us. You know, my old pastor used to say, no relationship ever flourishes in an atmosphere of disapproval. Isn't that right? And, and uh, he said lots of other things, but I particularly remember that one. And it really struck me to go, how, how many years or how many times or how many people are still living under this kind of weight where, where we just basically think that, you know, I love God. I know that he does love me, but he doesn't really approve of me all the time. And when we have that sense of disapproval from God, all the bets are off because we can't trust him then. And, uh, you know, What I want to say this morning, I'm just kind of setting this up before I get into the stuff around labeling, is because one of the things that when you first came to God, we know that it was totally, completely and utterly independent of who you were at that time. And what the Lord says is the manner in which you came to me is the manner in which you continue to live. Do exactly the same thing. Depend on my love, my forgiveness, my grace and my mercy every day. Don't think that once you've accepted me that the the deal changes. It doesn't. He says, in the same way that you receive me, the word says, continue to walk in the same way that you receive me. Aware every day of our need of him. Aware every day of his goodness and not ours. I don't know, I, you people are probably way better than me. But my, my week goes like this. Is that too honest? Some days I don't know whether I'm stuffed or mounted. <laughs> Someone go, what's that mean? I don't know what it means. My granny used to say it, all right? So. But you know what I mean? Emotions, up, down, up. Down. i'm saved i'm not so saved he loves me he loves me not like the petals on a flower and the lord stands aside all of that and says no every day from the very beginning it was my love for you it will always be my love for you i'll deliver you from all of the stuff that holds you back like jesus never ever condoned sin and mess so let's be clear about that but he said the way to get out of your sin and mess is to first of all receive the gift of no condemnation Go to the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery. What does he do first? He lifts her up and then says, now go sin no more. Okay, isn't isn't the message of God's grace beautiful? Helps us just to relax and helps us to go, oh, it's brilliant. And so what we have to do in Hebrews 4.23, it says, if this is true, then guard your heart. If that, in the same way, you see, it's not the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Testament is simply where Jesus is, is concealed and then he's revealed in the new. But from beginning to end, alpha and omega, the whole story and the whole biblical narrative is about Jesus. And so what we see is all the principles hidden in the word of God in the Old Testament that we read are, tell us something about how Jesus operates in us today. And what it says in Hebrews 420, 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, Okay. What the word there, the Hebrew word is nasar, what it means is to consider, examine, protect, or watch over your heart, right? Because if you don't, then this beautiful message of God's grace will become tarnished and polluted by the pull of the law, the enemy, circumstances, and everything else. So guard over it, watch over it. Keep careful attention to where you're giving your heart and your attention to, okay? Because there's no such thing as neutral in this world, You can't slide into neutral and go, it's all fine. It's not. We have to proactively search for the truth of Jesus and proactively go to receive the truth of Jesus every day through his word, through worship, through the communion, through being part of the church, through serving the gifts. It's as we do all of that, we find more and more of his love and his grace for us. And we protect our hearts. That's why I've I've encouraged you a lot in that. So let, let, let me get into this. Today, because you know, religion will tell you to modify your behavior, and that obedience is the root of the Christian life. If you guard your heart, what you'll find is that obedience is not the root of the Christian life. Obedience is the fruit of the Christian life. Big difference. If you want to obey God more and live more holy, then don't set that up as your as your as your goal. Because obedience is the fruit of relationship not the root of it. Now, we can all choose it. One of the things about grace is, I love this, is under the law, you've got no chance because the more you're under, under law, the more that you are actually strengthening. It says, it says in the word that, that the strength of the law, strength of sin is the law. So the more you try to live for God, the more you're gonna be like that, okay? But when you receive grace, it breaks the power of sin in your life, okay? This is not a license for whatever. Actually, this is, this is grown-up Christianity for me. You're free from any excuse. Under the law, you've got every excuse. I can't keep it. I'm not equipped for it. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. We know that. Why did he come to fulfill it? Because he knew that we never could. And so actually when we receive grace, we're now, it's almost like we're now in a place where holy smokes, we get to choose Jesus, choose holiness, choose grace, and to live freely. You get me? Is that okay? That's just my introduction. And so as we do that, you know, if you guard your heart this morning, and I'm gonna teach you about what that is, then what happens is that as you guard your heart with God's grace, you keep your eyes mindful on Jesus and his sacrifice for you, and at all costs, okay, pursue grace in your life, pursue the finished work of Jesus in your life, you're gonna live more holy than you've ever tried, kind of by accident, than you'll ever design to do on purpose. Because that's the way the grace works that good? Yeah. Amen. So here, here's, the, here's the thing. It's about much more than that positional change, though grace ministers and speaks into your very identity in a way that brings healing and transformation, and it helps us to lead, lead a, a changed life, okay? But what we're going to see today is that, that there's a constant challenge between how we see ourselves and how God sees us, and how we choose between one and the other. There was an encounter that one man had with Jesus that forever changed the whole of, of human history and the history of the church, and his name was Simon Peter. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to quickly go over that story for you this morning, because you're going to see two different perspectives, and they speak to us about how we should line up ourselves. I, I-, I love this. I've told this story so many times, but every time I tell it, not, not the story of Simon Peter, it's, it's kind of funny-ish, but the story of whenever I first met my wife, Penny. And uh, you know the way sometimes you meet someone, and you kind of fancy them, and then they do things, and you kind of go, have I really got this right? <laughs> to be honest you know like when you're a curtain like everything's you, you, you go overboard i even said i'd be a vegetarian at one point like seriously then i caught myself on and went no way but i remember penny sent to me you know like if this worked out could you be a vegetarian i was like of course i could love <laughs> you know s- sneaky uh chicken nuggets on the side right but i remember walking down i did have a moment we were living in france actually and uh there was two guys walking towards us, a black guy and a white guy. It's a true story, walking down the street, hand in hand in love. And I said, Penny, look at him. He is the absolute image of Chris Akabusi. Now, for those of you who don't know, Chris Akabusi was a black athlete who represented GB and won gold at the European champions and stuff. The other guy was as white as a bottle of milk. And I said, Penny, look at him. He's the image of Chris Akabusi. And Penny went, which one? And I I went, I was stunned. I was actually stunned. I went, then I was going, Jesus, have I made the right choice here? I, mean, she, like, I said, what do you mean? Which one? The one who's black. The black dude. She went, oh, oh no. It's was like, almost now you say it, now I can see it. And I was like, oh, Lord, what have I let myself in for here? But it's interesting that it, it's kind of like, that's what the way the Lord looks at us. We look one way with a grid and he's looking at something entirely different and going, can you not see it? Church, I want you to receive this word this morning because, you know, when you encounter Jesus, you begin to understand that he is using a totally different grid, a different scale, a different lens that to look at you. And some of us look at it and go, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And as human beings, our biggest struggle is that we, we only deal with our outward stuff. We deal with each other in the outward. We base ourselves on what is outward, what we see, what we hear, what we experience. This is how we make our estimation of ourselves, what we do Right, and how we how we esteem each other, and what happens then is that then forms our foundation. It forms our backdrop for how we treat each other. I mean, I mean, pick any subject, pick any subject, and what you'll find is that what we see on the outside, okay, uh, is kind of how we determine people, for the most part. But you know, unionist, nationalist, whatever, okay. And both those positions are fine. I'm not making comment on either of them. Um, we've got the state of the world now, right, where I'll tell you you why this matters to you today. If you look at the world today, you'll see that the human condition doesn't change. People are desperate to identify as something or other. Do you get that? We see this rise of identity politics. And for those of you who know me, I love social commentary. I love reading. (laughs) I love that kind of stuff. And I have been amazed, absolutely amazed, even at the last four or five years, at the trajectory around stuff like identity politics, how completely and utterly rotten and divisive it is. But it's prevalent, and it makes sense to people out there. It makes absolutely no sense to me, quite frankly. Where we can take a group of people, put this label over them, and say then, we're all the same, right? And what, the, the, the kind of thing that's interesting about that is, very quickly, people then decide whether you're in or you're out. Do you have the same label as me? If not, it's not like we're allowed to have a difference of opinion. If you don't think like me, then actually you're you're evil. I was talking to an American about it this week and going, like, what the heck is going on? Like, in Northern Ireland, to be fair, politics has been sport for us forever. Isn't that right? Brought up in it taking lumps out of each other, he's this, he's that, oh, you know, for for the longest time in this church, the best view you could have of the rats was in this room, we just used to pull the curtains back, popcorn, because they were (laughs) chucking balls. and honestly, when we used to go to France on holiday, Penny and I used to watch Sky News, only because you could see if our church had burnt down or not, (laughs) honestly, we used to put on Sky, still there, love, you're all right, pour me another glass of Chardonnay, we're good for another night, you know what I mean, from a stomach's sake, as the word says. And, uh, so, but do you get me? And, and, and it's crazy. When we look now today at all the different issues around identity and stuff like that, it's, I, I think what's really pervasive about this is what it does is it divides people. It says that if you're not this and you don't support this, then, then you're, there's something wrong with you. Do you, do you get me? But I, I, let, let's not be all down on that, on that kind of thinking. Where's it coming from? It's coming from a deep, need to belong. You see, it's, that's what I'm saying. In, there's no neutral. If you don't, You're always going to search and gravitate for a sense of identity and belonging. Why? Because it's God given and put in you. And if it's not found in Jesus and his finished work of grace, you will find it somewhere else. Does that make sense? And that's why I, I think in the increasing secularization of somewhere like Northern Ireland, which is kind of what's going on right now, what we're finding is a generation coming up um not even it's not even about young people it's not about that because i am young so it's not about that right it's but it's about people now when we take things that we have built our society around and those are being replaced the issue is what's it being replaced with because everyone is going to belong somewhere there ain't going to be nobody really apart from this small group of anarchists who ironically belong to the anarchist label, so you don't escape it anywhere. Do you get that? And so right now, even for you to consider for yourself, is you have something shaping, forming your identity. If you don't guard your heart and keep it focused on the grace of Jesus, it might just be your performance, your job, might be your qualifications, might be the group that you hang out with, it might be your social beliefs. It might be whatever. But those things are there, and the question we need to ask ourselves is: How good or helpful is it, or not, if it's not based on what the Word of God says about us? Because there will be an implication for it. There's no such thing as a free lunch with this stuff. And you know what happens is: you know, just pick, literally pick any subject, and look at how we deal with each other and how we feel about ourselves. You know, it's interesting, this whole thing, it's called labeling theory. It's a bit, it's an area of psychology, a whole branch of psychology, and many of us were given labels from an early age, weren't we? Labels are just kind of, well, what are they? Well, labels are what actually you call yourself in your head, do you get that? So they might have been spoken over you, or you might have adopted them yourself, but what you do is you, and, and, and when push comes to shove, you call it. That's what you call yourself in the, your head. They're tags, if you like, that you attach to describe, uh, you attach them to yourself almost to describe the person that you think you are. And some of those are, come from an early age. You're lazy, you're selfish, you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You're this, you're that, the other. As we, as we get older though, what happens is that we, we tend to tag ourselves with stuff. And it's based on what? It's based on all the stuff normally that p- other people don't see. See, you can pretend to most of the people most of the time, okay, but you all know your B-roll. You all know what goes on behind the scenes when nobody else is looking. And what, that's the kind of things that then we tend to attach to ourselves to go, they might not see it because I can play the game, but this is who I really am. Anybody? Somebody's going, to have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> see me? I'm so holy, I float around, right? <laughs> but you get it, don't you? So you do the same thing again and you go, "Ah, for goodness sake, there I am. I am this. I am that. I am the other. Now, what's really, really important about that, take take faith in Jesus out of it. Even secular psychologists will tell you today that whenever you have a tag in your head, uh, the name that you call yourself, always based on what is outside normally, okay, shaping who you are predominantly, although sometimes on the inside too, that's the identity type stuff, but right? Whenever you go, this is who I am, do you know what it does to your behavior? You live to it. That's who you live to. That inner narrative, that inner track, that inner thought, deep on the inside. You remember, you live from the inside out, not the outside in. And so the labels that we give ourselves are actually what makes you behave the way that you do. Because once you believe something, your your behavior follows suit. And this is why the gospel of God's grace is so flipping wonderful. It's the best news you could ever hear today, honest to goodness. Because what happens is that like this different grid, I'm looking at Chris Akabusi, and God's looking at something different. And the key today is to allow the Holy Spirit to show you again and reveal to you again who he says you are and what he calls you. Because if I know anything about the world today, I, I sometimes have despaired at what I see, not in a judgmental kind of religious finger, but I, don't, I genuinely look at stuff and go, you can't tell me that black is white and then tell me I'm rubbish for not agreeing with you. You know what I mean? I'm not a bad guy. I might just see things differently, but honest to God, I'm not, I'm not the devil, right? Oh, you are if you don't believe that, No, no, calm yourself down. I've got a different grid that I'm working to. I don't identify by any of these things. My identity, who I am, is not what I do. It's not where I've been. It's not who I've been with or what I've tried or what I've done or any of that stuff. Who I am is a gift given to me through undeserved kindness. It's Jesus and his view of me. It's his lens. And we need to get our eyes. And and, and I think, do you know what I think? When you see the craziness of the world out there, don't judge it. Don't point the finger because that's not going to help anyone. Do you get that? Just show them a better way. Show them Jesus and what he says. The world is sick of being judged. And actually Jesus himself said, I didn't come in the world to to condemn it. I come in the world to save it. And how do you do it? By judging them and condemning them. By loving the bones of them. Never once condoning that which would destroy them, sin. But never allowing sin to define them. Do you get that? How am I doing so far? All right. Well, I, I'm preaching myself happy. So uh, if you're not, um, this, is where, this is the point of the sermon I would say, people start to think, Did we put a chicken in that oven? Is, what? <laughs> Don't worry, I've only an hour to go. And then you'll still be free to go. It was a wee joke. You see, so e- even now, you know some of the things that you call yourself. Some of the things that uh, you've attached to yourself. And you wanna break the cycle. You wanna break the patterns. You wanna experience more of God. Anyone? But you just, it feels like the tape just won't, won't change because you've attached a tag to you which goes, that's who you are. I want you to guard your heart today with the truth of God's grace. I'm gonna read it over you in a moment because that, but let me show you this uh, this thing. How, how, where do we know that God starts differently with us? In Romans 4:17. It says, in the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that lovely? Uh, Romans is my favorite book of the Bible, the masterpiece of grace, right? But uh, I love it. But I love this, this thinking of going, we, you know, God speaks things over your life. He speaks identity, right? He calls you even though right now, you go, but that's not me. And it doesn't look like that for me. It might not even be part of who you are right now, but God, with his different grid, looks at you and he calls it out of you he calls the goodness and the wholeness out of you he calls the future out of you he calls the, that sense of you know being surrounded and held by God he calls it out of you he speaks it over your life even though you can 't see it, but he can now. Why is that important? Let me just, t- let's get into this Look at this quick encounter with Simon, all right? And uh, because one of the things I love, I love about the word, what it says, is that he has made us, he's perfected us forever, it says in Hebrews, holy and blameless, you know, for all of eternity, it says in the book of Hebrews. He says, so whenever he calls it out of you, he calls out holiness, he says, you're blameless, perfected forever, I'm calling it out of you, I'm calling you up to it. I'm not getting down to the level of your, your dysfunction, but I'm calling you up to goodness. Lift up your heads. Right? Says, that's when you, you can start to read the whole way through the Bible and it starts to make sense. I lift up my eyes. Lift up your heads. What does shame and guilt do? What's the first thing when you feel shame or guilty? Where's your head go? Down. What does the Lord say? Lift it up. Look into my eyes and receive. So Simon Peter's an interesting guy, right? He, he's a, he's mad, actually, half mad. And uh, I, I think he's the guy who cuts off ears and stuff like that, right? And uh, I love him because he's an earthy fisherman. And uh, if you watch The Chosen, if you don't watch The Chosen, you've got to watch The Chosen. I love it. I love the representations of the different characters. And you can see with Peter, like I even love in The Chosen a bit where Jesus says about, you know, says to Peter's wife, like, he must be a nightmare to live with, right? It's kind of funny uh, because you get that sense of this guy. Like, he's all out there. He's 100 miles per hour and he's all in. Well, apart from the fact when he denies Jesus, but he denies Jesus like all in. It's like, if I'm going one way, I'm going all in. I'm going this way, I'm going all in. And it's just fantastic, right? And there's, but there's this moment where where he encounters Jesus in a way which is incredible. Let me read it to you in John 1. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the 10th hour. I mean, it's really late on. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we've found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, now listen to this, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas, right? That's John, that's taking the original words. So the Apostle Peter, like he is one of the most well-loved individuals in the Bible. Actually, he's mentioned more than, in the New Testament, more than any other person. Do you know that? Other than Jesus himself. Now, I love his personality. Like I said, he's, you know, we, we can relate to him really, really easily because he, he's almost like this timeless sort of personality. He's not bound by any culture. We see ourselves in so much of him straight away. He's a working man. He's a fisherman. He's passionate. He's a trait which, like I've just said, gets him into trouble. He's quick to speak his mind, okay? And he's seldom held, held back. Uh, you know, he didn't really think about stuff a lot before he got stuck in. Now, Peter was the man who Jesus, who promised Jesus, remember that he would follow him forever and would never, would never leave him, but he denies him. So Peter's all of this stuff. You know what I love about it? Just put yourself into the, into the you know, what, be careful when you read the word to put yourself into it. Okay, because that's not always the point. The point of the word actually is to see Jesus dealing with you, not for you to step you know, into some stories. That's where we get it. Be strong and courageous. You go, I can't, I can't put myself in that story because I can't do it. Actually, some of the stories are there to tell you how Jesus deals with us. Does that make sense? But we all get the sense here of Peter, don't we? Do you see yourself in it? That kind of juxtaposition of lots of great, not so great, passionate, like it's all just a bit of what I call normal. Everyone who's normal, just go, amen, all right? I love it. And what happens here is that all of these qualities, you know, and ups and downs, Jesus just cuts right through them. Because what happens is grace changes your name. Grace changes the label. Because Simon, it says here, that you, let's go get Simon. Simon means hearer, Okay. And Jesus comes along and goes, you're not just one who hears. Now this is, I'm gonna get a wee bit into the, into the word here, but now you're gonna be called Kephas, C E P H A S, And Kephas is an Aramaic word and it means the rock. It means rock, right? Now, what was interesting is when Jesus encounters him here, Simon continued to be called by his birth name until that point where he confesses Christ. You know that bit in the Bible? Who do you say I am? You're you're the Messiah, you're Christ. Well, up until that point, even though Jesus has spoken over him, you're you're called Simon the hearer, okay? But I'm gonna call you Kephas, which is the rock. But up until the point where he actually confesses Jesus, he's, um, whenever the New Testament writers wrote his name, they didn't use that word Kepha, right? But they translated it into what it meant. Does Does that make sense? So they didn't actually write the word, but they translated it as rock, Now, names are names. The the writers didn't change any other names in the New Testament this way. So what's the point? What what point is the Lord trying to say to you this morning when he called? So all the other people, they they didn't change the names of them when they wrote, but with Peter, they did. Why? Because the point is that, you know, they were showing who he was in his identity and not just his name. You're a rock, Peter. Was not like the rock, you know that big dude in the films? We've got the spell fast rock here. (laughs) Pastor Adam, right? (laughs) Not that rock, but this is who you are. Peter's a basket case most of the time. But the Lord looks at him and goes, all of that stuff on the outside, I am calling you by what I see in you. Why? Because he's going to call Peter up to greatness. And he knows he won't call Peter up to greatness if he concentrates on what's wrong with him. He has to step in and get to the heart of the issue with us to go, this is what I have put in you, and I'm going to call that out. You might not see it, but I'm calling it out just like it's as real, okay? It doesn't exist yet, but I am calling it out of you so that you see it. Now, does that make... How how am I doing? Okay. So the point is they're calling him by his identity and not his name. So they called him Petros, and that's where we get the name Peter from. So whenever Jesus changed his name into something much deeper, he was calling out those things which don't exist, Roman 4, as though they did. And, you know, it's interesting that even at this point, he'll still go on and betray Jesus He will still have some, what we might call serious performance issues, if we were doing his annual performance review with him, right? But you know what? In the middle of it all, Jesus still said, you're my rock. That's good news for someone today. The more you keep your eyes on what Jesus says and who he says you are, the more you're going to live up, because we all know what Peter starts to do, doesn't it? Now, let me just give you a little bit more about this, because... You know, in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter Petros and on this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church. That's where some traditions have got that one a little bit mixed up. You're Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church. Jesus didn't say that. He used two different words. That's four words, two different words. <laughs> it's been a long week. Uh, two different words. And when you look at it, it's just flipping brilliant for who we are. Let me just read it over you. Can we get ready to play some some tracks here just in a minute so I I can minister this? Because what he said is here, and I say to you that you're Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus uses two words. He says, you are Petros. Petros is a little rock, right? And on this rock, Petra, which is a massive cliff, I will build my church. I guess what he's trying to say is, you're cut from the same stuff. Do you get it? You are the little thing that has been cut from the big. You're the little rock, Petros, I am Petra. And on Petra, I will build you my church. Amen? Amen? Amen. Not on your work, but on my work. But the thing is, we would say here in Bathurst, when you're cut from the same cloth. You are a little bit of what has been done in whole. There's no difference. Do you get that? Whenever God looks at you this morning, he doesn't go, you are something different. He sees that you are now made in Christ of the same stuff that he is. You're holy, you're blameless. You are acceptable to him. And he calls that out of you today and says, whatever you put your eyes to and give your attention to, guard your heart. Because whatever you're giving yourself to, you're gonna to live to it. So why don't you understand that I've actually cut you from something, something different than what the world will give you? I've cut you from Jesus himself. And as he is, what does the word say? As he is, so are we in this world. Isn't that good news? Uh, someone tell me you're encouraged this morning as you read this. So what I wanna do over your life this morning, okay? <laughs> You're a chip of the old block. Close your eyes for a moment. What I'm gonna do is I thought, well, the word testifies for itself. And I want you to know this morning that whatever you walked in here carrying, if you think that the Lord shames you or guilts you into change, you'll never turn to him for help. The word, actual word for shame in Greek is entrope. It means entropy. It means to turn in. So shame causes you to turn inwards. And when you're looking inwards, right, you're not looking up into the face of Jesus. You're not receiving grace upon grace. But whenever we, whatever it has been this week, wherever you've come from, Whatever the patterns are this morning, I want to speak over you all right now. And I just, all I would say is just open your heart to the Lord and say, I might not see it. I might not feel it. I might be struggling to believe that your goodness could be this good. Isn't it funny that gospel means good news? And for many of us, it's just been an extra weight at times. It's been a burden. But we go to the word, we go to the Word. The words that are life and health to us, the words of Jesus himself, and we, we take those as our labels. Understanding that we might not see it in fullness right now, but when God looks at us, this is what he sees. He doesn't see anything else other than through the lens of Jesus. Do you know why? Well, what about my sin? What about my mess? As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed that from you, says the Lord. ah, but, but if I, and the Lord says, stop and rest. But I do this, and the Lord says, I know you do it. But what you do does not determine who you are. What I say, what I label you, what I call you, is who you really and the more that fills your heart, the more that fills your mind, the more that fills your attention, the more the Holy Spirit, you allow the Holy Spirit to minister that to you. In your moments of worst failure, confess the righteousness of Jesus over your life and break the power of condemnation. So the word says this. Just let me read this over you. And we'll put these online this week on, on social media so you can download them for yourself. But it says, I am loved one John. I am accepted. I am a child of God. Every sentence I say here has a biblical reference for it, okay? I am Jesus's friend. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I get to share in his inheritance with him. His inheritance is the blessing of God. And I jointly heir with him in that. I'm united with God. I'm one spirit with him. What does that mean? It means I'm not separated from God at any time. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me. He can't separate himself from himself. If I'm in Christ and his spirit's in me, then I am always joined to God. He's never far away. His spirit lives in me, it says in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1 tells me that I'm a saint. All right, I love that, I'm a saint. Don't feel like it don't act like it all the time, but the Lord says you're a saint. Colossians 1 tells us that I have been redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed simply means to be bought back at a great price. That was the price of Jesus, his son. I'm complete in Jesus Christ. I love that. I lack nothing, Colossians 2 tells us. Romans 8, 1 says, I am free from condemnation. I am free from condemnation. That dread, can I just minister that to someone right now? When the, 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 the word says you're free from condemnation, what that means is condemnation means that whenever something, whenever a law is broken, any law, but God's law, we intuitively know when we do things wrong. That's one thing. But the second thing is somebody's got to pay. There's always a price to be paid. The beautiful, that's condemnation. It's that dreaded feeling of punishment that somehow something's going to go wrong in your life because of what you did. And the Lord steps into that and says, there's no condemnation if you're in Christ. Grace is outrageous. God's love for you. When it says he so loved the world in John 3, he so loved is such an outrageous, scandalous love for his people. But he says there's no condemnation. None. So let it go. So let it go, the Lord says. Because he's not going to hold that over you he says i you can say i'm a new creation because i'm in christ the old is gone new has come what about this i'm chosen of god i'm holy and dearly loved i am established anointed and sealed by god i don't have a spirit of fear but i've got a, a spirit of love i've got a spirit of power i've got a sound mind right it's not it's not a word for today in a world which is just rampant with fear and whatever, the Lord says, you don't have that spirit. You've got a sound mind. I pray that over you. Anxiety, fear, mental health issues, depression. Right now in Jesus' name, we speak a sound mind over you. Ephesians 2 says you're seated in heavenly places. What that means is it's a place of authority and rest. You kind of look at these bits of the Bible and you go, what does that mean? What does God say about me? He says, just like I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of rest and authority. Then in life, you sit in a place of rest, knowing that the work is done for you. I have direct access to God, Ephesians 2 tells me. John 15 tells me, I have been chosen to bear fruit. Can I say over some of you today, you've gone, I'll never, I'll never see the goodness. I'll never see the fruit of God in my life. I'll never see the fullness that I long for. And God says, no, I chose you for fruit. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. the the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life and more than that. You've been chosen by God. You're one of God's living stones, 1 Peter says. 2 Peter 1 tells you that you've been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God. Hebrews 13 says that you can always know the presence of God because he never leaves you. Philippians 2 says that God works in you to help you to do things that He wants you to do. He's working in you to help you. Isn't that a really interesting one? We feel like when we mess it up that God removes Himself or just withdraws a little bit. But that's not what the word says. The word says He actually is working in you because He wants you, He wills you to succeed. He wants you to walk in your breakthrough. And he's working in you all the time to bring you to that not withdrawing his presence or his favor from you or his, his goodness from you when you can't do it and lastly i could keep going on but it says in james 1 you can ask god for wisdom and he'll give you exactly what you need you know what that means like part of who i am is i've got access to the wisdom of heaven i should i should never be stuck because at any time i can ask the lord what i should do where i should go where i should turn is happening and the lord doesn't say well you should know better you should have worked this out he just goes when you ask me i'll give you what you need grace gives you a new name grace gives you a new name holy spirit of god in this place i pray right now that the words the labels and the chains that have sat on people's hearts that have sat under the surface in people, failure never amount to much, the spirit, that spirit of comparison against other, with other people, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray for an overwhelming sense of your love and acceptance and grace. We break the power of every word that has been spoken by others and spoken by ourselves, Lord. Everything, Father, where we, we didn't guard our hearts, Father, we let other people shape, and other things shape who we see ourselves to be. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a moment of receiving and revelation that we are who you say we are, Lord. Father, I thank you that this week you have grace for all of our mistakes. Lord, you know fine well already, Lord, what we are like, how we're still working this stuff out, how none of us have got it nailed. But Lord, I pray that you would remind us that what we will do this week, for good or not, does not define how you see us. Many of us will struggle to believe that and receive it. But who you say we are through the work of God's, Jesus' grace, is who we truly are. So we take that label on. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings righteous and holy amen church is anyone encouraged this morning brilliant i am anyway we're going to do we're going to start to finish up worship guys if you want to come up take communion if you've got communion in your hands you look like this and why don't you stand to your feet and uh We, we take communion, we encourage you to take communion in your homes and your houses every day. It's a gift. Communion's not a ritual um, where we kind of. We've got some great teaching on this, but we believe that communion actually is a gift from God. And uh, if you want, you can go to the website and get that, that, that teaching. But whenever you take communion, it's strength to you and it's health to you, it fortifies you. And. We believe that, you know, even notwithstanding what we've walked through this week and, you know, and our disappointments at times, what we do is when we have disappointment, we take it to the Lord and we ask Him, you know, where we can understand it, He'll show us. Where we can't, we put our trust that for now, we can't see, but in the fullness of time, we'll understand. But we don't change who God says He is. God is our healer. God loves to see us in, in health. And so when we eat today, for your own bodies, just receive grace upon grace. In your minds today, if you're anxious and upset and worried, the simple act in faith of saying, it was your body broken for me so that I could be whole. And we believe that as you do that in faith, then the spirit of God moves in you. you're changed amen so we eat lord and we say thank you for your body broken for me amen father we thank you for the cup um father we thank you that your blood sets us free when your blood was poured out lord it removed every curse and every demand that was ever written against us lord it's only your work and so father we drink today father knowing that your work in us has set us free Lord, thank you. Amen.